This episode of Fearless Rebel Radio is brought to you by You On Fire. You On Fire is the amazing 12-week online group coaching program that I run where we build up your worth from the ground up so that it's no longer hinging on the way that you look. It's got personalized coaching from me and incredible community support plus lifetime access. Get details on what's included in this program and sign up to be notified when doors open for the next cycle by going to summerinandin.com forward slash you on fire. I would love to have you in that program and in that group. This is Fearless Rebel Radio, a podcast about body positivity, self-worth, anti-dieting, and feminism. I am your host, Summer Inanin, a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth, and confidence, and the best-selling author of Body Image Remix. If you're ready to break free of societal standards and stop living behind the number on your scale, then you have come to the right place. Welcome to the show. This is episode 146, and this is another installment of Classic Rebel Radio, where we revisit an episode from the past while I'm on maternity leave. Today, we are revisiting the interview I did with Ivy Felicia, certified holistic wellness coach and body image expert on how to feel more comfortable in a bigger body and navigating body love through chronic illness and weight change. Plus, I'll be answering a listener question on... What to do if you're a competitive athlete and how to maintain the working out and eating habits that are required while also working through body acceptance and healing from the diet mentality. You can find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode at summerinandin.com forward slash 146. And I just want to give a shout out to Kaleri, who left this awesome review. I love Summer's podcast. She asks great questions and has stellar guests. I'm connected with a ton of awesome resources just from her show notes alone. Light bulbs go off all the damn time. Check this out. <laughs> Such a great review. Thank you so much for leaving that. You can leave a review by going to iTunes, searching for Fearless Rebel Radio, then click ratings and reviews and click to leave a review or give it a rating. And if you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show via iTunes or whatever platform you use, including Spotify. Uh, you can also get the free 10-day body confidence makeover at summerinandin.com forward slash freebies with 10 steps to take right now to feel better in your body. This question comes from Nora. Hi, my name is Nora. I'm an avid listener of your show. I also play roller derby and have for the last five years. I play at an international highly competitive level. My request for you, since you do have a pretty big following in the roller derby community, is to try to help us find a happy place where we can love and accept our bodies for all the amazing work they can do while still maintaining the working out and eating habits needed to maintain a competitive edge. Is it even possible? A lot of times it feels like it isn't and I often use food and exercise to punish myself when I feel as though I'm failing in the sport I play. Okay, this is a tough question. This is a tough situation. And before I get to my answer, I just want to say, I am really stoked that I have a big following in the roller derby community. <laughs> that might be the best thing I've heard in a while. That's awesome. So what's up all my roller derby, fan <laughs> roller derby fans? What's up? So yeah, to answer your question, Nora, this is tough. Balancing a need to exercise and eat a certain way for performance purposes without triggering the diet mentality is not easy. 
But are there are some things I would recommend to make it better, some things for you to think about. And I'll also note, I'm not an athlete. I'm not a co like a, an athletic coach. I'm a coach, but a life coach. And I don't know what the demands are on a highly competitive roller, roller derbier. So I keep in mind that I'm coming at this from a perspective of, of not completely understanding your situation or the demands that are put on you. And hearing that you're competing at an international level leads me to believe that this is like, this is, you know, you're really into this. This is like maybe your job even, or the one thing that you do, or if not that, then just like, this is very important. So it's a little different than someone asking me like, hey, I, I you know, play this sport recreationally and I want to eat and, and work out a certain way. This is, this would not be applicable. These answers would not necessarily be applicable. This is like, you are looking for performance because this is your jam. This is something you compete in and are really serious about. Uh, so I've got five things that I've come up with to suggest you for you to work on and keep in mind as you go about this. So number one, I think it's really important to recognize that punitive behaviors are never good for our health. They're never good for our well-being, and they are a reflection of diet and health culture's influence on us. So I think, you know, whatever you're doing, you have to ask yourself, like, is it worth it? Is it worth the sacrifice to my mental health and my physical health even to be putting this pressure on myself to be engaging in it from this punitive perspective? You know, an Olympic athlete might have to push through exhaustion and pain, but to them, it's worth it despite the possible consequences on their health. So is it worth it for you? Or is there a way for you to go easier on yourself? Can you be more gentle with yourself? And I would think that even if you are a high performing athlete, recovery, resting and being well fed are all going to facilitate better for performance. You just have to kind of find that balance that works for you. But is it worth it for you to be doing, you know, engaging in like whatever um, eating habits are being demanded of you, if it's coming from a punitive perspective? I hope the answer is like, no, it's not worth it. And I'm willing to be more gentle on myself, which leads us to like, these next few points. Number two, so we want to heal the diet mentality. So do as much work as you can to heal the diet mentality. That means reminding yourself that you do have a choice. So even though you might have to eat certain foods from a performance perspective, you still can eat anything you want because you have that autonomy. So it's about rewiring the way you think about food. And in the, in this episode, actually, Ivy talks about it, which is why I paired this question with this with this particular episode. So, you know, for example, let's say, um, and I'm going to use a food intolerance in this situation, but let's say you're like, you have a gluten intolerance and if you eat gluten, like it really gives you horrible digestive problems. You know, you might go and have, and think to yourself like, oh, I can't have pizza. I shouldn't have pizza, but actually you can have pizza. You just have to accept the consequences that are going to come along with it. And so it's about reinforcing that mindset of, okay, I can still have this. I'm just choosing not to right now for these reasons, whether it's because I have a food intolerance or in your circumstance for performance reasons. So it's, it's a slight wording change, but that wording change in our minds is actually really important because you still want to be reinforcing that you can eat what you want. Food is neutral and you do have a choice. So you're just choosing not to eat that in that moment, or maybe you are and you accept the consequences, which is totally okay. And this is not going to work unless you are eating enough to support your activity as well. So make sure that you're not restricting physically. Number three, take weight out of the equation. So whenever weight loss gets involved in our exercise or food choices, that is the diet mentality and it's going to take a toll on your mental health 
to navigate eating. So in your case, you may have to detach weight from performance in order to do this. I don't know if those things are going on in your head. I have a feeling maybe they are. So detach weight from performance. And to mitigate that, you can work on body image to create a more nurturing relationship with yourself. Follow athletes who are doing amazing things in larger bodies and or be the role model and the change that you want to see. Number four, and this is where you may disagree with me, but take the good enough or better than nothing mentality. And so what I mean is just like, don't see things so black and white. Like if you eat something that's not on your prescribed food list for performance, or that goes off plan, like it's okay, you know, you're doing a good enough job. You're doing better than nothing. And that's okay. And I find that mentality to be really effective in order for us to be more gentle with ourselves and more forgiving. There are going to be times when you don't eat the things you need to be eating for performance, or you're not going to be able to train as well. And I think we can have compassion for our humanity there. Like we're not always going to be better and perfect. We have to let go of that perfectionist mindset. And we can and that actually facilitates striving for better performance that helps us compassion helps us to do better. It, it's not a hindrance. And so accepting that things are good enough is going to be better for you mentally than beating yourself up for not being good enough. And then lastly, just check in with yourself. How is this working for me? Am I living the life I want to live? Is it worth it to be doing these changes? Am I feeling as good as I want to feel? And if not, then you may have to lower the pressure and expectations on your performance in order to support your mental well-being and sustain yourself in the long haul. So it's a tough one, but I do believe it is possible. And I hope that by working through these things specifically, healing the diet mentality, really detaching weight from performance, um, working on your body image, and just being more gentle with yourself and having compassion for the fact that you're not going to get things perfect, uh, will help you to be in a better place with this and not engage in those punitive behaviors. All right, Ivy talks about managing eating with chronic illness in this episode, and I think it aligns really well. So check it out. Hello, everyone. I am really excited to introduce you to today's guest. I am talking to Ivy Felicia. Ivy is a certified holistic wellness coach and body image expert with a gift for helping people of all body types to embrace body peace and self-love at any stage of life. She combines compassion and commitment to support people in developing loving relationships with their bodies at any size. Ivy uses simple strategies, mindful accountability techniques, intuitive listening, and her ongoing training to facilitate the shifts in mindset and perspective that help people achieve long-term positive changes in their relationship with their body. Her body relationship coaching work is centered on her personal experiences with barriers to body love and more than a decade of social and professional involvement in the emotional wellness and health education movements. Welcome to the show, Ivy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here, Summer. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here today. And before, I'm going to mention this at the end, but people can find you at memybodyandlove.com. I just want to say that now because it's really easy to remember and... In case for some reason people don't hear it at the end. <laughs> so, thank you. Yeah. And I would love you to start out by telling everyone a little bit more about your story. What was your relationship with your body like when you were growing up and with food? And how did you get to where you are today? Sure. Well, my, my body relationship, I, I kind of switched between saying body relationship and body journey because it's definitely been a journey. Um, as a child, I 
was personally okay with my body until I started realizing that everyone around me was not. Mm. And so (laughs) I was um, an overweight considered, you know, we know what that terminology is, but a larger bodied child from pretty much kindergarten on up. I've always been in a a larger body or an, an abundant body. So, um, you know, the social implications of that, of dealing with teasing and bullying and shaming and all of that started very early for me. Um, So it actually was very much a part of my, the narrative of my body journey early on. Um, And when I got into my adolescent and teen years, was when it really became a lot more painful because, you know, just being a female um, in society and having the pressures of beauty standards and and all of those things put put on us, you know, it becomes very uncomfortable if you're in a body that's considered not acceptable by society. And so um, that was actually exasperated when I um, was diagnosed with PCOS at um, the age of 17. Um, and at that time, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, at that time, there was little to no information about a PCOS. Um, but I knew that something was going, even then I had a connection with my body Um, in a relationship with my body because I knew that something wasn't right, you know, um, with PCOS because um, it does disrupt the endocrine system. I was um, missing my cycles for long periods of time. Um, I was dealing with unusual body hair growth. Um, I was dealing with um, extreme weight growth over a year. Um, so it was a lot just happening all at one time. And when I went to the doctor, you know, she just said, you have PCOS and I want to put you on birth control. Mm. And that, <laughs> that was pretty much just the solution back then was, you know, you have PCOS, let's throw some birth control at you, which is more hormones. And um, that'll okay. bring back your period. Like that was their only you know, goal then was to bring your period back to normal. Right. Um, and they didn't really understand all the other things that happen to your body when you have PCOS. And so I was pretty much left to fend through those things on my own as a teen, as a teenager, a young woman trying to figure it all out. Um, it was a lot. And so, you know, the, the low self-esteem, the body shame, the frustration with my body started very early in my early teen, teenage years, right around PCOS. And that really affected how I navigated the world. Um, and by that, I mean it, it affected how I dated as a young woman. It affected what I thought I was worthy of when it came to romantic relationships. Um, it even affected, you know, how I performed in college and, you know, I didn't want to be seen. I didn't want to be out front. I I just wanted to kind of disappear (laughs) because, um, you know, I just felt so bad about my body and that translated to me feeling bad about myself. Mm -hmm. So, um, fast forward, (laughs) you know, that was pretty much my narrative for my twenties 
and it I went back and forth to doctors and you know if anyone's listening and they've experienced any type of chronic illness you know how going back and forth to doctors can make you feel about your body especially when you know, the doctors can't figure it out. You just want an answer. They're telling you to do all these different things and it's not making a difference. You feel bad physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. You know, it really does have an effect on, on every part of who you are. Um, so by the time I got to my early 30s, I was pretty much at my wit's end with my body. And... um you know, I just really said a prayer and I was like, okay, there's, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and, um, I came across a holistic doctor and she was the first person to address me as a whole person rather than just my weight and, um, rather than just my problems. She really talked about my emotions and, um, my spirit and, you know, Ivy as a person. And that was the first time that someone in the medical field had done or the health field had done that for me. And that's really where my passion for body relationship and helping people learn to, um, be at peace with their bodies. It was born in that experience. Mm hmm. Wow. That sounds like a lot of, a lot of stuff that you had to go through and especially with the medical condition on top of, on top of already feeling uncomfortable in your body, that must've been really challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're dealing with, you know, PCOS quite often shows up as if, if you have, it triggers insulin resistance in a lot of women, which triggers, you know, um, the fight with weight gain and all of that. So if you're navigating the world in a larger body, plus you're living with a chronic illness, um, you know, it can really make your relationship with your body challenging. And, you know, it's hard to just live a normal life, much less be confident in your body. That's a whole different level. <laughs> That's a whole different level of challenge. So yeah, it was definitely a unique journey to, to getting to body confidence. Yeah. And so what, uh, what's your relationship with your body like now? Um, I really can say summer that I am in a place of peace with my body and I really do love my body and I describe it as body relationship, which is why I'm the body relationship coach. Um, because I really regard it as like a romantic relationship when you have a partner there are some good days. There are some bad days. There are some days where my body and I, where, you know, we're on great terms. <laughs> and then there's some days where I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I'm not really feeling you today. So I, I, <laughs> I have to be honest because I think it's, it's, I think sometimes, particularly in the, in the body positive community, People may misinterpret our message and think that they, that body love means you always feel great about your body, mm -hmm. you know, but even in a relationship, if you're with a partner, you don't always feel great about your, your partner, but you love them. You know, it's the same way with your body. That, that's what I believe. Uh, I love that, uh, using that as a metaphor for this, because, um, 
you know, initially when you said treated as a relationship, my mind kind of went to that honeymoon phase of a relationship where it's everything's amazing and everything's exciting, but that's not what you were saying. You know, you expanded on that and were, and said, you know, like almost, it's almost like a long marriage, you know, where mm-hmm. there are the ups, the ups and downs and like the good days and the bad days. And, yeah. um, I think that's a wonderful way to describe it to people to really help them understand that it's like any relationship that we have in our life in that there's going to be challenges and there's going to be times when things are just really smooth and going well, and then everything gets disrupted and you have to manage it and work on it. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There are definitely ups and downs in you know, I frequently say that with your body, it really is till death do you part. It really is. A <laughs> Literally, you know, it's like this. There's no so way to say. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're in this for life. So, you know, and I really got to that point, especially with having a chronic illness. Um, and I said, OK, look. We can be at war with each other for the rest of this journey, or we can find a way to, you know, to live together in peace. And that's really where the concept for me, fully believing in body peace, because sometimes you might not always be at the space of um, loving your body, but I truly believe that you can be at peace with your body in any stage because it's a choice. Um to say, okay, you know, just like you can be in any relationship, you can be in any situation in the world, you can go to work, you can be amongst turmoil, but you can always choose peace at any time. And that's really what I like to help people do is find that place of peace with their body in in any situation. When you say it's a choice, what does that look like to choose peace? For me, well, I can say for me to choose peace is that um, it's a series of different steps that you can do, and it all depends on where you are with your body. But it's really deciding that you're not going to um, allow yourself to be overwhelmed <laughs> with with the toxic energy or the negative thoughts about your body. Um, even in a situation that is frustrating, sometimes it's about embracing those feelings, you know, Um, Sometimes we feel negatively about our body or we feel frustrated with our body and we want to fight against it. And sometimes to get to the space of peace, we have to just embrace those feelings and sit down, sit in those feelings for a while and ask why and really allow ourselves to learn about our body and to learn about ourselves. And that really creates that space of peace. Um, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say that 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 makes perfect sense. It's a, it's about uh, surrendering and accepting to what's there versus Absolutely. fighting fighting against it is what is what I'm hearing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if you have that moment where you say, I don't like this about my body right now in this moment, rather than shaming or guilting yourself or fighting against that thought, that thought can actually bring you closer to your body by understanding why. Why don't you like that about your body? What is it about it that feels uncomfortable for you? And that actually teaches you more about you and it teaches you more about how you feel about your body and it helps you to actually make the relationship stronger. 
Oh, I love that. Yes. We're so on the same page there. I just, uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> That's all I got to say to that. Yeah. I think it's, it's, um, you know, sometimes there's value in, in trying to, you know, reframe it into a positive or, mm-hmm. um, you know, sometimes positive affirmations can be helpful, but a mm-hmm. lot of the time I'm, uh, I lean more towards helping women, just dig into what's really happening there and accepting what's happening there versus trying to, um, jump over it and, mm-hmm. uh, fix it because yeah. we can learn so much more from actually uncovering it. Absolutely. And I, I use affirmations with my clients and, and with the people that I work with. Um, I, I absolutely believe in them, but I know that they don't work if you don't believe them. You know, you can say them and paste them everywhere and (laughs) all that stuff. But sometimes you have to sit with the things that those negative things that you feel first and make peace with those feelings before you can move to the positive affirmations. Otherwise, you're kind of just like saying the alphabet. You're just reciting it, but it's not actually taking up root in your heart and in your soul so that you can actually flourish as a person. Right. Yeah. It's like speaking a different language. It's just, yeah. you know, or using, yeah, exactly. They're just words unless there's actually meaning associated with them. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk to you because I know, um, your body obviously went through a lot of, a lot of changes and, um, you know, often women who stop the dieting cycle, they gain weight and it's hard for them to be comfortable in a bigger body. What do you suggest for women to start to become more comfortable if their body has, if their body size has changed? Oh, summer. <laughs> this is my, this is my area right here. Um, oh, and yes. I was <laughs> then I'm glad you are here. <laughs> I was tested in this area before I could actually, you know, I, it was, it's different when you say it, but when you're tested in it <laughs> and you have to live through it, then it's, it's a totally different thing. And the reason I say that is because um, this time last year I had issues with my thyroid and um, some hypothyroidism and things, some of those, all those things are sometimes related to the endocrine system and PCOS as well. And um, I, like I said, I've always been in a larger body and from my teens on, you know, up until last year, I was pretty much um, the same in the same size clothing. I've always been a plus size woman, but I was in the same size. So, you know, I could have clothes Uh, something that I wore 10 years ago and still be wearing it. Um, And I had gotten to a comfortable space. My body was plus size, but I knew it. It was familiar. I knew what fit me. I knew what didn't. Um, I knew what looked good on me. I knew, you know, I knew what didn't. I was comfortable because, you know, it was home. And then when I had the problems with my thyroid and, I had to go to the doctor and, you know, I don't like to be weighed, but it was one of those things where they insisted on it because of what was going on. And I found out that I had gained about 50 pounds um, in a very short, short amount of time and nothing fit anymore. You know, I was always out of um, energy, out of breath. I was tired. I mean, just a lot of things were happening for me. And and it kind of scared me because. Um, my body wasn't familiar anymore and Mm. it tested everything that I thought I knew 
about body acceptance. <laughs> yes. Because I had accepted this body for, you know, almost 20 years and now it's different and it's performing differently. It looks differently. It feels differently. And so that's the space where you can be in. And it's like, oh, wait, do I really love my body? You know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this, this, um, you know, my experience with it was, has, was different. It was never, it was, it was never, um, that significant. I mean, it was just kind of gradually sort of went up over a longer period of time, but, um, mm-hmm. and so I, but I get asked this question a lot. So yeah. So tell me like, you know, what, what can women do to, to navigate this and to become more comfortable with, uh, with a bigger body? Mm-hmm. So what I what I learned in that experience summer was that that's where I learned about body peace. And um, I learned that I had to be patient, first of all, and compassionate. And I had to take it one breath at a time, literally, mm. and really tune into my body and all the things that were going on and say, OK, I, I thought I knew you. And, you know, I, I thought we were good here, but a lot of things are going on. And I had to listen to my body signals. I had to kind of pay attention to what was going on. And I had to relearn my body all over again, almost. And rather than, as I was talking about earlier, rather being overcome by the frustration, I allowed the frustration to teach me how to just be patient. And it really was one breath at a time. Um, It wasn't easy. I'm not going to pretend that it was, you know, hearts and flowers and butterflies. It was very difficult. It was it was very painful. But coming through it, I became so much more confident in myself and so much more connected to my body. And I really did say, you know what, no matter what, Mm -hmm. I'm going to approach this with love and I'm going to just be patient. And I came out on the other side of that situation. Okay. And I know, okay, is a very short way (laughs) to describe it, but with so much more determination to um, accept my body and to be at peace with my body. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate your honesty around that and just saying I came out okay, because Mm -hmm. I would never want to paint a picture that it was just really easy. And I, so I really appreciate you sharing that frustration and that patience being such an important factor in helping you to become more, more comfortable. What are some other tangible things that helped you to be more comfortable? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, I definitely had to incorporate a lot of self-care. Um, and for me, self-care showed up as taking the time to listen to my body signals. For example, um, when I was tired, whether or not I was used to being tired that quickly and that often, um, when I was tired, that meant that I had to sit down or lay down or rest or whatever. Um, I incorporated more time of, okay, let's do meditation and things like that. I definitely did more um, behaviors that would help me to alleviate the stress of what was going on with my body and just to ground me and reconnect me with my body. So I, I would say to any woman who's living with a chronic illness or, going through a major shift in their body, the number one thing is to be compassionate with your body and with yourself. Um, Your body is not against you. 
And I think sometimes we think that and we feel that, um, especially with all this going on. But in, in spite of all the changes that are happening, our body really is still working to keep us alive it, the best way that it can under the given, given circumstances. And sometimes it takes just sitting down and I say giving body thanks, you know, reconnecting with your body in a loving way. Um, those practices will help you navigate that space. Yeah. Cause what I'm hearing from you is that you didn't fight it. So, mm -hmm. so I think a lot of times the first inclination is, well, I better, I better really, you know, push myself and, and go and exercise more or try and diet to, to try and manage, manage this. Mm -hmm. Um, and, obviously, you know, we, we don't necessarily have control over our weight and we know how damaging diets are and over exercising, especially through a chronic illness when your body is telling you to rest. Mm -hmm. Um, so I love that, you know, you, when you said self-care, it was really around self-care to help you manage that frustration and, um, come to a better place of patience and peace and compassion with it. Yes. And to re and to relearn my body. And that's, something I would definitely say to any person who's listening is that when you're going through a body shift, you, you have to relearn your body because your body's not how it was before. It's constantly changing anyway. But if you're going through a major um, change in your body, there's things you need to learn, whether you, like I said, whether you weigh more or less. So, you know, your nutrition is changing. Maybe your fitness is changing. Um, the amount of energy you have changes. Uh, you know, the clothes that you were able to fit might change. You really do have to be patient in learning your body again. And that's a whole different level of body acceptance because it's not the same body that it was. Yeah, that's not easy, but it's absolutely possible. And when your body changed, did you, was it physically uncomfortable for you? That's another question I often get is that, you know, my body, like my body is, I'm physically uncomfortable now. And how do I, how do I make myself physically comfortable without forcibly trying to change my weight? Absolutely. It absolutely was physically uncomfortable um, because, you know, I, I gave you the number. I, I don't like to do scales and numbers, but I gave that so you could kind of see what my story was. It was a, a huge difference in size. And um, I was I actually did pause <clears throat> because I was going through some things with hypothyroidism and um uh, adrenaline fatigue. So I had to rest. So I had to listen to my body. I couldn't just jump out there and say, okay, let's go gun ho in the gym. Although that's what society will push you to do. The moment that you put on any kind of weight or any kind of change, that's not what my body needed. And that's, what's important is to really listen to your body, what your body needs in spite of all the messages that are around you. Your body will tell you what it needs. And, and sometimes we don't believe that because we feel like we have to go to all these outside sources. Mm -hmm. But we really are the best authority on our body. And it wasn't easy to, to sit out of doing physical activity for almost a year. But it was what I needed to do in order to rest and recuperate and reconnect with my body. 
Yeah, that's so hard, like you said. And I think especially with the medical system, you mentioned earlier that they try to just treat your body and not your whole part. You're not not your whole being. What is your advice for women who are trying to navigate the medical system that's been failing them? Um, you know, I, I know you mentioned that it was really frustrating to you and that that impacted your relationship to your body. What, um, what advice do you have? Um, well, definitely what I would say is don't allow anybody to, to guilt you or shame you or force you into anything. Um, it's, it's easy because, um, people are professionals (laughs) and sometimes we can kind of just um, fall into the practice of assuming that they know everything and they know what's best for us. I'm definitely an advocate of visiting your health professional, visiting your doctor, taking their advice, listening to their information and then sitting down with it and really thinking about, okay, what works best for me? What feels best for me? Some of it you can keep, some of it you can't. Um, that's not really something that's all across the board, you know, that's the same across the board. Um, I think that's where it really, that's the work that I do with some of my clients is really helping them learn how to listen to their body, how to um, listen to their own intuition and their inner voice when it comes to those things. Um, But definitely don't allow someone to shame you into doing anything with your body. And a lot of times health professionals, you know, doctors and things like that, they're not intentionally (laughs) trying to cause damage, but they are part of a a social belief system that sometimes contrary to body positivity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they've been taught that it's been handed down to them. And so they actually preach that message that's been given to them. And so sometimes they need enlightenment. I definitely wasn't afraid to speak up to, and I'm still not afraid to speak up to my doctor and say, I don't agree with that or I don't believe in that or, you know, I don't want to be weighed or I don't want you to to tell me the numbers. I don't want you to treat just my weight. Tell me more about the other options. Don't just give me a prescription. What else can I do? And my doctor's to the point where she knows, (laughs) um, you know, okay, well, I know you don't want this. I know you exactly because she's learned what it is that I do and don't want for my body. So I've kind of taught her how to treat my body as well. That's uh that's really great. Those are such great pieces of advice because it's hard to stand up to a doctor because you just assume that they know everything and they're generally rushing you through and I've had bad experiences with doctors too where I've just always left feeling terrible and very like that wasn't helpful at all. And what I found sometimes, you know, when I've tried to explain something to a doctor, like, well, that doesn't work for me. Or like, I, especially if it's contrary to what I've been taught or learned on a particular subject. Um, it's hard. It's really hard to stand up for yourself in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it is. Yeah. And it doesn't, again, that doesn't come overnight either. Because, you know, like I said in my story, look at how many years I went back and forth to the doctors, you know, and kind of let them push me and pull me. But from the beginning, there were certain things that I knew I, I didn't want. But my confidence built as as I became more confident in my body and my body relationship strengthened. 
I was more comfortable with being an advocate for my own body. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you have to step outside of yourself and pretend you're advocating for somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Like that would be easier. <laughs> I feel like it's always easier to stand up for a friend or something than it is for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And they don't, you know, you don't have to, like you said, you wouldn't let someone talk to your friend or your child or, or, you know, anyone that you love and bully them around. So don't let someone do that about your body, even if they're a professional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about PCOS. Cause I know that that's a subject that you are really passionate about. And I know you mentioned to me that is it, is it September that's PCOS awareness month or is it October? Yeah. September. September. Okay. So talk to me, talk about a little bit more about it. Like what, you know, what kind of impact does it that have on, on the body? And there, I know there's a lot of women who have it that listen to this or that have other hormonal issues. You know, what are some ways that they can find acceptance and peace with that? Absolutely. And thank you so much for bringing up the conversation because PCOS does affect, um, well, the the numbers are one in 10. Those are the women that know and have been diagnosed. So it it affects a um, a large amount of women across the world. (laughs) Um, And like I said, it is an endocrine disorder. So the thing about PCOS is that it shows up in every single woman differently. And so a lot of times that makes it difficult for doctors to diagnose it makes it diff- difficult for them to treat. Um, and then it also makes it difficult for women to, to know that they have it and therefore maybe partner with other women because it's one of those conversations where it's, I think I have it, but I don't know, maybe I do. So, um, you know, if anyone's listening and you have PCOS or any type of chronic illness and you're kind of <laughs> at that point where you're not really sure if you have it or what to do, I I get it. I've been there before. Um, The first thing I would definitely say with PCOS is you do need to, I know we just talked about doctors, you do do need Mm -hmm. to go to the doctor. Um, And there are certain tests. Thank God they're so much more aware now around PCOS um, than they were when I was first diagnosed decades ago. Um, But to get your official numbers, um, and meaning your glucose level, your, your endocrine levels, your, um, fasting glucose level, your, your insulin level, um, all of those things, because those things are going to be the key to help you know how to deal with your body. Um, when I was talking about my story earlier and I said that I came across a holistic wellness doctor, that was the first thing that she did Um, And don't be afraid to, you know, if you go to one doctor and you're not getting what you need, continue until you find someone that you feel comfortable with. Because when I found this doctor, I felt comfortable with her. Therefore, I was able to make more progress with my PCOS. Um, She tested all she tested everything about me (laughs) pretty much physically. Um, And because she was an integrative doctor and a holistic doctor, she also you know, testing my energy levels and, and um, she's into Chinese medicine and all of those things as well. So when she prescribed a treatment to me, it wasn't just, okay, take two of these and call me in the morning. It was a holistic approach, which was, you know, make sure that you get enough rest, 
make sure that um, you have a support system around you, that you have a support group around you. Try yoga, try meditation. And I would say that with PCOS, it definitely is something that has to be treated from a holistic point of view because it does affect every part of you. And that's really how I began to find healing and progress with PCOS. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, um, and I don't, I'm not sure if this was your case, but so you can speak to that, but uh, there's, they make new, you know, there's like nutritional recommendations, especially as it relates to like the, the insulin resistance aspect of, of PCOS. How do you navigate that? I know as we were chatting before we started recording, you did mention that you had a history of yo-yo dieting. How did you navigate that or did you nav- did you make nutritional changes without falling back into a restrictive and diet mindset? I think that's like one of the one of the questions that I hear so often from women who have chronic illness. Yes, yes. Um I definitely had a history with yo-yo dieting prior to um beginning my relationship to, to body peace and the difference for me was when I was yo-yo dieting, I went to all the major brands of dieting, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, was that my goal was just to lose weight. You know, my goal was I have to get this weight off. I want to look a certain way. Um, it was very much um, aesthetic and it really wasn't taking into consideration um, the effect that it would have on my, my whole body. Mm-hmm. And so... When I began to take a holistic approach to taking care of my body, um, I do have insulin resistance. And so the way that I eat now, um, I definitely take into consideration how food makes me feel and whether or not it nourishes my body. So if you hear the difference, this is more about how food is taking care of my body rather than just trying to lose weight. Mm. This is very much incorporating the food into my body relationship. And so, you know, there are things that I can eat that would or not eat that would maybe make me, you know, help me to quote unquote lose weight. But is that necessarily what's best for my body overall? No. So I really have figured out, okay, these foods feel good for my body. They help me battle, um, I'm sorry, balance my insulin levels. Um, They give me energy. They nourish me. So those are the foods that I eat. And these foods, when I eat them, they make me feel dizzy or (laughs) um, they make me feel sick or they give me blood, you know, blood sugar spikes or whatever. So I don't eat them. And it really has nothing to do with the scale because I don't even own the scale. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not even really conscious or paying attention to my body's size and my weight. It's all about nourishing and loving my body through foods. Mm-hmm. And how long did it take you to get to that point where it really was coming from this place of, of, of love versus, um, you know, that place of frustration and restriction? It was a journey. Wow. I feel like it's still a journey. (laughs) It always is. (laughs) Not necessarily with the restriction because I I don't have the temptation around the restriction anymore because I've I've come to this place of being at peace with 
um, you know, being in a larger size body or being in a body that society doesn't consider to be um, perfect or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a journey because, you know, sometimes there are certain foods that I want to eat, but I know that those foods are very detrimental to my body because I have a chronic illness and it's going to have this major effect. Um, And so it's not food restriction for me. It's just really eating from a place of love. Um, So it's a constant journey, just figuring out sometimes what those foods are, (laughs) because there's, you know, there's, you know, you, you don't eat the same thing all the time every day. So it's always a journey of saying, Oh no, that didn't work. I know not to do that. Um, and just, like I said, being compassionate and patient and saying, okay, I ate that yesterday. And that really made me feel like crap. I know not to eat that again. Um, I ate this today. I felt really good. And I know that, hey, this is a good food for me. And it has nothing to do with social labels for me because it can be a cupcake, an apple, or or an orange. You know, it doesn't really matter what society thinks. It's what works for my body. Yeah, that's uh, it's such a huge distinction between that didn't make me feel good versus I did something bad or I'm a bad person, you know, it's, and it's, it's so much in how we just speak to ourselves and, and the, you know, the, the self-talk that's happening as we eat. Yes. Like, for example, if, if you don't mind me sharing this, for example, I had to learn that if I want to eat a cupcake, um, a cupcake on an empty stomach doesn't work for me because, that sugar goes straight to my bloodstream and it causes a, a you know, a sugar spike mm-hmm. um, for all the things that go on in my body. But a cupcake after dinner works great. I don't have any problems. So I can still have my cupcake. I just had to figure out what my body likes and what feels good for me. And, and that happened over time, trial and error. The patients, you know, it, it wasn't something that anyone to just say, Ivy, you should never have cupcakes. I had to learn how it worked for best for me. That's so cool that you say that. And I'm the total opposite just to offer a different perspective is that yeah. I, d- I do a lot better if I eat, you know, I love ice cream, right? So I'll eat it at like, <laughs> it's like my happy hour. I'm like 3 p.m. Like let's ice cream, <laughs> you know, or if I'm going to have a piece of cake, like it's usually I'll do it in like the mid afternoon because okay. Then on like an empty stomach, more of an more of an empty stomach. I just enjoy it that that works better in my body than if I have it after dinner. Because if I have it after dinner, I will not sleep. I will be up all night. Um, um, so it's just in, it's just I just wanted to offer that other perspective to show that it is really about knowing yourself and your own yeah. body and why what works for me would not work for you and vice versa. Yeah. Yes, and that's what it's about, right? Some, I mean. That this is what we're saying after all the other words that we said in this <laughs> in this interview is that you really have to learn your body and what works for you, and no two bodies are the same, and that's the beautiful part about it. Yeah, so good. And so, talk to me about how how you work with women. How do you help women um, today? Sure, absolutely. Well, I love the work that I do. <laughs> um, I work with women of. Um, all body types, um, shapes and sizes. And I really help people who are ready to be in a space of body peace. 
with their body, um, the body piece that I've talked about today. Uh, most of the women who come to me do have some form of either chronic illness or body change that they're going through at the time, and they want support in navigating that. And so <clears throat> what I do, because I do have a certified holistic wellness um, coaching, I have a body positive perspective on that. So I use a combination of um, holistic wellness and self-care to really help women um, learn how to um, embrace their bodies, tune into their bodies, learn their intuitive voice so that they really can get to the space of what you and I just described, where they know what's best for their body. And it's amazing how that helps the people that I work with feel confident about their bodies and get to a place of body acceptance. Because when you know your body and when you're at peace with your body, you can definitely learn to love your body and be body confident. Amazing. So good. <laughs> and as we wrap things up here, I always ask my guests, what is the most fearless thing that you have done? Oh, wow. You should have told me that one ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love putting people on the spot with it though. <laughs> I know that and then like later this afternoon you'll call me and be like oh I wish I could yeah. change my answer <laughs> <laughs> the most fearless thing that I've done you know I and, and I'm not just saying this just to be saying this but I feel that becoming a body a body relationship coach is the most fearless thing that I've done yeah 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 because of all the things that I've been through um, in my body and how everything in the world told me that I wasn't good enough, I wasn't worthy, that my body wasn't good enough, my body wasn't worthy. And for me to affirm that I am worthy and then to even have the audacity to go out and tell other people that they're worthy, that's badass. <laughs> that is. I was just going to say, I mean, that is so badass. It is, but it's such an inspiration to other women who are listening to this, who are feeling defeated or feeling like, you know, the system is letting them down and society is letting them down that you, you can, you can get through it and you can become stronger and more resilient because of it. Yes. And then go out and get your, even if you don't become a coach, go out and help other women around you when you're ready. And, you know, after you've done your work and done your healing, whether it's your sister, your daughter, your mother, you know, there are other women who need you as well. And that was one of the things that motivated me and continues to motivate me. Likewise. I think for me, you know, I do so many things out of service to the women who follow my work and listen to this podcast and follow me on social media. And it keeps me going because sometimes it's hard mm -hmm. to do things for yourself. And, but when you can do it for a greater good, like a, a bigger purpose, um, to really help make cultural change, it, it makes it feel a lot more powerful. It gives you a lot more strength to be able to follow through and do the things you want to do. Hell yeah, we have we have to change this world. It can't be how it was when you know, oh, like yeah. the, in in my story, I'm like I can't leave the world how it was when I got here. It has to be different when I leave. Yeah, do you feel like it's shifting? I do, absolutely. I'm excited. Yeah, I think so too. I think I think the social media has been, you know, it's 
bad for diet culture, good for body positivity. And hopefully this one force will win over the other eventually. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, where can people find more of you? Sure. They can go to me, my body and love.com and um, they can read more about my story. I have blog posts there. They can also learn how to work with me if that's something that they're interested in. I do offer the body relationship breakthrough session, which is a session for people who um, want to just try it out with me, see how it feels and see if they'd like to work with me. Um, and I also have a gift that I'm giving away and I believe you're posting that for them. Yeah. So that it would be the body relationship workbook, which is five yes. ways to begin connecting with your body. People will be able to find that at summer forward slash F R R dash seven four. So fearless rebel radio episode 74. Um, you will be able to find the link in the show notes there. And you're also on social media as I am Ivy Felicia. Yes. Great. Thank you so much for being here, Ivy. It was awesome. I was, I'm so happy that we connected and that we were able to record this interview today. Thank you for inviting me, Summer. I love the space that you have created and I love what you're doing. Thank you so much. Rock on. Such great stuff there. I always love chatting with Ivy. You can find the links and resources mentioned in this episode at summerinand.com forward slash 146. And I'll be back in a couple of weeks with another classic episode. Rock on. I'm Summer Inanin, and I want to thank you for listening today. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Summer Inanin. If you haven't yet, Go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show. I would be so grateful. Until next time, rock on. Rock on.